1: And hands on the Restoration Radio Network. I'm your host, Stephen Heiner, and my guest, as always, is the author of Working the Theological Critique of the Mass of Paul VI, Father Anthony Chicada. Father, thanks for joining us.
0: Always happy to be here, Stephen.
1: I shared with Father in the pre-show that uh, a single tear is in my eye for the final episode of this series, but I'm sure Father's relieved to be done uh, with the book <laughs> again. <laughs> having been interviewed by video, having written the book, having supervised the second printing,
0: it's good, I suppose, to come to an end again, Father. So it's it's only been since 1980, after all.
1: <laughs>
0: but, uh, we have... Um, uh, future expectations that the work of human hands story will continue because already it's been translated into French and into Spanish. So uh, if I, I could acquire French with the, the possibility of pronouncing it decently, I probably would uh, uh, be doing this show with you in French as well.
1: <laughs> well, that also requires my French to be up to speed as well, Father, and it's, alas, uh, only halfway there, so uh, perhaps uh, in, another, in another five or ten years we can do that.
0: We'll get uh, there.
1: <laughs> well, Father, as I said, we're at the end. Uh, for our listeners who've been following along in the book, um, which is available for purchase at sggresources.org, we're at Chapter 14, Conclusions, quote, the mass is ended, dot, dot, dot. And, um... Well, Father, I mean, as I, as we talked about in our last episode, we're at, we got through to the communion rite and even dismissal. So I think this is the traditional, Father Chicada sums it up for people who didn't read the previous 13 chapters. Is that
0: the way I can look at this uh, chapter? I think I think you could look at, look at it that way. Um, the the uh, idea of uh, doing the chapter this way is that I wanted to make it clear to the reader how I had uh, proven uh, with uh, facts and, and um, taken from the right itself and taken from the writings of the those who uh, created the New Mass, uh, that uh, it was, in fact, what my uh, thesis at the beginning of the book claimed it was, that, in fact, uh, it w- was something which harms the Catholic faith, harms the uh, faith in the souls of uh, those who assisted at it. And uh, secondly, it was a right that was uh, irreverent. So I was uh, uh, careful in enunciating my main contention at uh, in the beginning chapter, and then uh, pointing out in the end uh, how I had uh, achieved the goal that I, I set out to achieve. In fact, the first and the last chapters of Work of Human Hands were written after the, uh, after the, the uh, main body, the main guts of the book uh, were written to ensure that I, I uh, uh, stated both the thesis and the conclusions accurately. Well, uh,
1: well, let's dive right into the beginning of uh, the end here, uh, chapter 14. The first uh, heading you have is the the new math, and I suppose each of these, I should say, listeners, is going to apply to the new math. So the new math is a rupture with living tradition. And I suppose in the era of the hermeneutic of continuity, anyone who's been paying attention with us across this series and across all these episodes can't really feel that comfortable saying that the the Novus Ordo, the new rite of mass as it is called is some kind of is in some kind of continuity with the, the mass of all time or the traditional latin mass so lest we be uh, accused of not walking through the points father can you please tell us
0: how <laughs> it is a rupture with living tradition <laughs> okay um sadly and gladly well the as regards to whole points, specific points throughout the whole rite, uh, the first of all, all of the chants of the Mass uh, were rearranged according to the new liturgical year. Uh, and in practice, they ended up being abolished. In place of a priestly penitential rite, there's a congregational penitential rite, which is a total anomaly and a total... Um, uh, innovation in the Western tradition. And as far as, as keeping the uh, texts of the orations of the Mass, uh, the statistic that I finally settled on, having compared the uh, contents of the traditional missal or the traditional orations in the new missal, is that only 17% of the or, or, orations from the old missal exist unchanged in the new missal. So you have the beginning. Then the scripture readings, uh, Paul VI abolished the uh, traditional uh, cursus, the traditional course of the scripture readings. Uh, The the traditional course was actually uh, very uh, ancient. Then uh, as you continue through the other parts of the Mass, the offertory chants were removed and and, uh, suppressed. And Uh, Because the innovators objected to the contents and the the theology expressed in the private offertory prayers of the priests, such as the prayer for the uh, offering of the host and the prayer for the offering of the chalice, and the the adjunct prayers to that, they uh, felt they had to um, replace those prayers with something else, but they could find nothing in uh, no historical prayer no prayer from from the history of uh, any one of the Western rites that did not contain those same traditional ideas as the prayers of the traditional rites did. So they had to create uh, a new type of offertory prayer, which was based on a Jewish Seder uh, blessing, Jewish table blessing, but then that they laced with the uh, theology of Teilhard de Chardin, uh, based on, on, on one of his uh, writings called The Mass of the Earth. So the Offertory, then, as regards the canon, historically the Roman Rite had only one canon, but uh, it's obvious the the uh, New Rite did not maintain that. There are 12 alternate texts that um, can be used. The Communion Rite, as we saw during the last show, uh, overthrew the the traditional practice that the priest alone recites the the Pater Noster, the uh, the Our Father, and uh, the uh, uh, subsequent prayer, the Libera knows that originated with Saint Jerome and Saint Gregory, uh, two fathers of the church, if you please. That this was was butchered and different phrases were removed, so you can't really say. Uh, with a straight face, at least, that uh, the new mass is a, uh, a continuation of the liturgical tradition of the Roman rite. It 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 simply is not. That is a a false statement in its whole, uh, in its entirety, and uh, in its its details. It is a complete rupture from what went on before.
1: All right. Let's, let's say we grant Father Chakata all these points, dear listeners. I do remember saying that, I do remember hearing that Bishop Sanborn had once said that it is possible a pope could sit down at his computer and on Microsoft Word compose a new rite of mass. There's nothing to prevent him from doing this. And in that spirit, maybe he would be restoring some ancient things, Father. So the new mass, a spurious restoration of antiquity.
0: Is this true? We were told throughout the whole um, of the liturgical reform uh, in the 60s and in the 70s, time and time again, that what was being done to the Mass was not really an innovation, but it was something that, well, was going to go back to primitive Christian practice. So uh, this was the line that was repeated time and time again by the. uh, by the Reformers. Uh, however, the uh, when again, when you look at the details in the whole, this is absolutely ridiculous. That First of all, as regards the orations, the variable prayers for different feasts, uh, sure, some orations from ancient sacramentaries or, or missals were restored in the Missal of Paul VI. But, as usual, Uh, These were tinkered with, and the uh, language was removed that would accommodate what the innovators called new values and and new perspectives. So that's one thing, the orations. Then this business of um, uh, the three-year lectionary and uh, the whole table of the Word of God is supposed to be laid before the consideration of the Christian people, uh, which was the uh, idea, supposedly, of Vatican II. This was done with what was called a lexio Continua, supposedly, or continuous reading. But the ancient practice, uh, you uh, did not omit anything. You just kept on uh, reading uh, the uh, big chunks of Scripture. Uh, in the Novus Ordo, uh, what was done is that sections were omitted or made optional, because they offended modern sensibilities, so we we demonstrated that, so that's another fraud, the scripture readings in terms of restoring antiquity. Then the prayer of the faithful uh, this was supposed to be a one of this was one of the first innovations I remember. this was supposed to be a um, Uh, Again, uh, a restoration of of something very ancient, the the different uh, little uh, litany prayers, supposedly, that uh, are recited before the Offertory. But that, too, is false, because the ancient prayer of the faithful was a fixed text. There are a series of fixed collects, and these never varied, and they were loaded with negative theology. So, of course, in the, the Sunday Novus Ordo, they're not going to allow anything like that. Another thing, uh, prefaces. Uh, the traditional Roman rite actually had very few prefaces. And in ancient times, if you look at the ancient sacramentaries, there were in fact many, many prefaces, and many of them are, are uh, quite, quite nice. But these were not restored integrally. Again, because uh, they expressed concepts that were at odds with uh, modernist theology. When you get after the uh, preface to the canon replacement, which is called the Eucharistic Prayers, uh, again, there's this, this uh, fooling around. Supposedly, the second Eucharistic prayer was uh, written by Hippolytus, uh, who was a uh, Roman anti pope. Uh, however, uh, phrases that uh, modern theology would find offensive were cut out of that. Uh, and uh, concepts to do with hell or the devil, damnation for non-believers, or anything like that. So those parts of uh, antiquity were deemed to be offensive to modern man, so those things were not restored. So And then a a whole load of uh, other new prayers were created uh, to replace the traditional one. They had a... um, uh, the other so-called, another so-called restoration uh, that a big deal was made over was the so-called sign of peace. But contrary to the ancient practice, uh, it was uh, exchanged uh, among men and women in a mixed congregation. And you had a strict division of the sexes in the ancient church uh, for, because of questions of propriety. So that practice went out the um, uh, went out the window, and then finally, as regards liturgical ministers, uh, the uh, in the ancient church, uh, you uh, it's true that at mass the, the um, different roles were assigned to different ministers at different levels of the hierarchy, but against every apostolic tradition. In the new mass the uh women were were permitted to function in the sanctuary, and that was something that was inconceivable so on every uh you know at every point when you go through the the uh no sort of you see that you have no um uh, real restoration of any ancient practice unless the modernists can uh, alter it or employ it in such a way. To promote their uh new theology, and Dom garageget said in 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 his institution liturgique in eighteen forty in um, uh, france that uh, this is this is typical uh, of the, the adepts or the, the promoters of uh, what he called anti-liturgical heresy, that they talk all the time about vindicating, vindicating the rights of antiquity, but they end up creating a right that is uh, simply their own, uh, because it was created the day before. So here, in terms of um, a uh, restoration of antiquity, uh, insisting that the Novus Ordo does that is absolutely absurd.
1: Well, I would say, Father, we dealt with the first two excuses, and now we're going to move into what I would call the effects. So the excuses Mm -hmm. have been, uh, well, it's a hermeneutic of continuity, or we're Mm -hmm. restoring the old. So you've talked about both of those. Now we're going to talk about what happens when you have the new mass. And the first uh, point that you make is grave irreverence, I don't really feel like we need to prove that, but uh, I would, as I said, like to have you be complete in your critique.
0: Okay, well, the uh, first of all, this, this idea of a, a grave irreverence or mistreatment of sacred things is an impression that um, people got rather from the beginning with the liturgical changes—I I know myself even as a kid uh, I had a reaction like that that uh, there was something um uh, something off something wrong that what was really sacred uh, was not was no longer being treated as sacredly as it should be so but the question is how can you uh, how can you analyze that and uh, how can you put specifics on that particular that particular uh, impression. In other words, what what are the, actually the sources in the right for it? Well, there's a whole bunch of them. First of all, uh, as you go through the different um, uh, aspects of the the new right, the material prerequisites that uh, um, what you used to celebrate mass. There are a whole bunch of minute regulations in the, the old uh, that apply to the old right. Uh, in order to ensure that uh, the Blessed Sacrament was treated with the greatest possible care and reverence, and to maintain the sacred dignity of uh, the celebration of the Mass. In general, what happened in the Novus Ordo, the majority of these requirements were either abolished or curtailed. Uh, And as one writer uh, pointed out, one writer who was involved in the liturgical reform, uh, Alessandro Pistoia, that the uh only the externals uh that remain are those which have a practical or a psychological end uh he said that this new structure and environment for the new mass has to uh speak to the faith of the people of God, you know whatever that means so the idea is is that the uh material requisites were not considered um uh, all that important anymore then when you had Uh, the celebration of the traditional Mass, there were all these gestures expressing adoration or reverence toward the Blessed Sacrament. Um, And uh, Paul VI uh, abolished nearly all of these gestures. And thus you end up with a a discouragement a, a, a intentional program, it seems, to discourage individual devotion and piety. So, for instance, uh, the priest doesn't hold his his um, thumbs and forefingers together. Um, you get a, a sign of peace when at the point in the Mass where you should have private recollection before communion. Uh, They don't leave you alone during the communion procession. You have to bark out the antiphon to some idiotic song as you're going up. It's now a communitarian procession, and you're required to sing. You stand rather than kneel to receive communion. Uh, You have people who are not ordained, uh, including uh, women, members of the parish women's Soviet, who now uh, distribute communion. Laymen purify vessels. You sit after communion uh, rather than kneel to make a thanksgiving. And uh, you have announcements uh, made at that time. And nearly every priestly gesture from the old rite that expressed adoration or profound reverence has has been eliminated. And then the cherry on top was communion in the hand that practice was introduced by heretics uh, at the time of the Protestant Revolt to repudiate belief in the real presence and in the the special uh, uh, character of uh, the priest. And it is is permitted uh, virtually everywhere. So all of these... um, uh, Ritual gestures go against the um notion of of uh, due respect for the blessed sacrament uh, beyond that uh there's a general irreverent atmosphere there's chatter. Uh, that the priest conducts throughout the Mass. There's chatter beforehand among the members of the congregation that's typical in people visiting in, um, uh, in the Church. At uh, uh, your typical American suburban celebrations, the priest will chatter and offer little comments during the course of the Mass. The uh, atmosphere is also contributed to by the degenerate music. Virtually anything goes. You know, if if you want to do Gregorian chant, you could. Or praise and worship music is fine. Or uh, any type of instrument you care to use is fine. Uh, And music written in an essentially uh, secular style is uh, not excluded. It's completely permitted. So you can have a, a uh, rock-style music or pop or folk, or the uh, Mexicans in the Southwest are big on the mariachi music, so you have a mariachi mass, um, the, the different types of ethnic music. My um, uh, Slovene relatives in, in uh, Upper Michigan could go to a polka mass, uh, where the the music is is uh, polka music, so all of that uh, creates an irreverent atmosphere. So the um, uh, and then there's the the, the loosey goosey uh, approach to the way that the practical instructions, the rubrics for celebrating the new mass, are, are constructed because so many things are optional. And the idea is that, uh, as Father Thomas Ristadter said at the beginning of the reform, that the l- new liturgy has new laws written in a new style and in a new spirit, uh, which are broad enough to allow you to go with, uh, uh, as a celebrant of a mass or as someone who's planning for a mass, to go with in whatever direction the spirit moves you.
1: Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't know where the Spirit has moved our listeners at this point because it's pretty horrifying uh, just to, to look at all of this reverence because it stems from what you talked about earlier. If you don't have continuity and if you have a fake restoration, big surprise that you're going to have these sorts of effects.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, and it, it uh, what you have to remember is that... Um, the the source for all of this nonsense, ultimately, is bad theology. Uh, it's the the bad theology of some of the um, uh, villains that we've discussed so far in this uh, the series. That remember Jungmann, Joseph Jungmann, the uh, German Jesuit liturgist who was so influential before Vatican II and who was directly involved in the creation of the mass, he had this idea of pastoral liturgy. And the, uh, when you boil down his idea of pastoral liturgy, it comes down to this, that whatever you think will work with the people, that that is his pastoral liturgy. You accommodate yourself, in effect, to the lowest common denominator. So we certainly see that at work in the Novus Ordo. So that's one idea. The other idea is the uh, the, uh, the theological uh, idea of the recasting of the Mass from a sacrifice into an assembly of the people of God. That That's the primary definition of the Mass, remember, that was in the 1969 General Instruction. That is the uh, idea of the modernist Louis Bouillet. So the, the, this was the basis upon which the Novus Ordo missae was constructed, this, this uh, theology of the Mass as assembly. So, uh, you have to, uh, so here, it's the presence of Christ in the people that is considered to be uh, important. That this is the, 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 the new uh, presence that uh, people are supposed to discern, the new presence of Christ that people are supposed to discern after Vatican II. So you get, uh, so along with uh, these two ideas, this, this uh, notion of, a uh, false notion of pastoral liturgy, the lowest common denominator, and this notion of the Mass as assembly and the primary presence of the, of, the, uh, of Christ in the people of God at the assembly, all the other junk, uh, these awful things that have so annoyed conservatives and that we find uh, create the at- uh, atmosphere of irreverence that, surrounds and has always surrounded the new Mass, go back to these false theological ideas. Well, apart
1: from the effects that you have at Mass, it's what happens when you go home after Mass. I told you before that this would be things like conversations my parents would have along the lines of, well, you know what Father said today in the sermon? It's not entirely correct, dot, dot, dot. And if that's, that's only if you have, let's say, conservative parents like mine were. Uh, but if you have parents that were not raised with the proper foundations, they may not know that what they're being said is poison. And as a result, there's no correction. And even if there were correction, the child is going to be confused. Why is mommy and daddy correcting father? It's not, uh, not part of the deal as Catholics. There, well, are, what there are more fingers of destruction apart from that father.
0: And you get people used to the uh, idea that they can accept almost any bit of insanity that uh, comes from the sanctuary of the Church, no matter how much it uh, overthrows what they learned in the Catechism. So there's one um, uh, a story a friend of mine t- uh, told me he went to a typical um uh, ethnic church in Philadelphia for a Sunday's celebration of the Novus Ordo on Easter uh, a couple of years ago. And he said that the priest from the pulpit uh, denied the physical resurrection of Christ. But there's no question about it, but nobody batted an eye and nobody batted an eye because uh, they have uh, been used to all sorts of of, of Doctrinal uh, aberrations, and uh, it doesn't—it uh, doesn't really seem to provoke a reaction in people uh, uh, in people anymore. So that's the, the whole um, uh, discussion, as it were, the whole context of. Um, how people receive the Catholic faith and, and how they understand the Catholic faith has been changed as a result of the destruction of Catholic doctrine via the uh, uh, via the new mass. Part of the, the the first part of the thesis of the book had to do with the new mass as uh, an engine for the destruction of Catholic doctrine in the minds of Catholics throughout the world. And uh, we just mentioned the underlying error behind the new mass, the the assembly theology, and the other false notions of the presence of Christ that uh, the creators of the new mass uh, came up with. Rather consistently, though, they uh, used uh, terms that... uh, new terms that were the fruits, as, as they said themselves, of uh, ecumenical and doctrinal convergence. So, uh, for the term Mass is substitute word, supper, the people of God, the memorial, uh, etc. And uh, the theology of the New Mass, as it was expressed in the 1969 General Instruction, uh really to show through its new terminology to show a clear break with the old teaching even as regards to what what happens in the central part of the Mass where formerly we had the uh, consecration the reformers substitute the idea of a a, um, uh, an institution narrative or for the idea of the Mass representing the sacrifice of the cross then they said it represented the Last Supper and the priest who was seen as offering the mass uh in pre-vatican II theology uh was uh, told that he only presides over it that the assembly offers the sacrifice so you see this this uh, uh, change these doctrinal errors being presented in a change of uh, change of language so it's 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 um a, a this this whole series of new theological concepts that have been um uh, that have uh, have been incorporated uh, into the new mass specifically one of the things that that um, the, there are two specific points uh that uh headings under which you could say that these um Uh, errors in these concepts fall. First of all, uh, there was the the question of ecumenism. This was a big part of the um, liturgical reform after Vatican II, and this is something we were told quite explicitly by uh, Annibale Bugnini. So you find ecumenical elements in uh, the uh, rite, uh, you see, for instance, the uh, adaptation, as we said, of a uh, common penitential rite, uh, eliminating notions about the venerations of the saints, um, uh, mentioning relics and the merits of the saints uh, in the orations of uh, the new mass. You see the unfavorable um, references to uh, heretics, uh, schismatics, pagans, and Jews. These These were removed. And then along with that, allusions to papal supremacy, the true faith, uh, the church militant, subjection to Christ the King, all these things uh, were pulled out of the orations. So uh, there's that aspect of it. The uh, new mass abolished the former distinction between the mass of the catechumens and the mass of the faithful. Uh, So what you ended up with is the the, the uh, liturgy of the word, liturgy of the Eucharist, and the uh, idea is to make an equation uh, between the two, which uh, from an ecumenical point of view is something that's very desirable. They also, the revisers, uh, changed the whole nature of the offertory rite, which was uh, one of the most objectionable parts of the uh, traditional Mass to the classical Reformers. So that they, they uh, uh, threw out uh, those notions. And then uh, in the Eucharistic prayers, formerly the canon, they uh, uh, made optional the traditional Roman canon, which was so repulsive to the heretics of the Reformation, and relabel the consecration as the words of the Lord, an institution narrative, etc., and uh, changed it that way. Also in the um, uh, communion rite, uh, a number of of, uh, phrases were changed, others were added. We mentioned last time, the kingdom and the power of the glory are yours. That was one point that... uh, uh, was added from uh, the Protestant rites. Communion in the hand was uh, uh, permitted. So you, you, there's an ecumenical aspect to that, too, because the Protestants instituted that to repudiate Catholic teaching. So you find this whole list of changes that uh, were directed at uh, promoting the errors of ecumenism.
1: Well, apart from ecumenism, Father, you have the, the rite itself, and there's a, I mean, when you talk about the experience of it, there's a particular quote here as you're talking about, about some of these concepts that I, I think is worth reading at length. As for assigning the precipitous decline in mass attendance and belief among Catholics to the misinterpretation of Vatican II... This does not fly either. The man in the pew does not get his understanding of Catholic doctrine from theological journals that feature endless hair-splitting over what Vatican II's fuzzy on one hand, on the other formulations really meant. Instead, he gets it almost exclusively from what he sees and what he hears at Mass every Sunday, assuming, of course, that he still goes to Mass. Now, I'm I'm going a little ahead, Father, but I'm reflecting on, on what you're talking about. What's the effect of the ecumenism? It's, it's catechetical. That's what it is.
0: Well, that's the idea. Lex orandi, lex credendi. That the the, um, the people who formulated the uh, liturgical reform understood the principle that liturgy, uh, that the sacred liturgy, the law of prayer. Is uh, uh, something that uh, expresses doctrine, but also that it can be used uh, as uh, something didactic. It uh, of course it has to be in the ver- vernacular for that, of course, uh, in order to um, impose new religious ideas on people or a different form of doctrine. And that historically, that's what happens. Uh, you see that in the the, the Rights that various heretics throughout history have uh, uh have created, and that's just what's what's uh, happened here so the, the uh uh points about the the um, eucharist and uh, the priesthood and so on that customarily are denied by um protestants uh you you see this support for in effect, support for their position, uh, given uh, by in a very profound way by the liturgical reform.
1: What else would you like to speak about, Father, in this in this uh, under this heading of destruction of Catholic doctrine?
0: Well, uh, the other point now that uh, historically uh, traditionalists tended to ignore. Uh, well, they got the business about the ecumenism right. Um, traditionalists tended to ignore the uh, modernism uh, that was right beneath the surface of the liturgical reform uh, that accompanies the uh, ecumenism of the right itself. And the reason that uh, perhaps that was not as evident to uh, traditional Catholics is is that uh, modernism is a very very subtle um a very subtle poison and and works through subtlety and through ambiguity to change one's uh, what they would call one's religious sense so you have a um uh, uh, uh there's this current running uh through the new mass of uh, that is behind so many of the changes and you see ideas subtracted from the liturgical rites uh, ideas that are um, repugnant to modern man. So modernists wanting to accommodate uh, the spirit of the age thinking they will win modern man over by destroying or trying to transform, they would say, uh, Catholic doctrine, uh, try to remove Elements of what they call negative theology uh, to make the uh, religion they want to promote acceptable to modern man. So you get, um, uh, uh, for instance, the uh, idea of the new direction of the church building is based on the idea that the new rites should be anthropocentric, should be centered on, on on man on each other rather than God, or the removal, let us say, of negative theology from the person's foot of the altar, or uh, eliminating it uh, in its entirety virtually from the orations of the Mass, because modern man does not find the idea of uh, sin or offenses against the divine majesty, or hell, or anything like that, uh, to be something that he wants to hear about. So the modernist wants to accommodate modern man, so those go out the window. That happens with with, with the liturgy of the word. It happened um, uh, with the theology of the preparation of the gifts or the uh, traditional offertory rite. The. Uh, same thing happened in the eucharistic prayers so you have a um this in in uh myriad ways large and small this idea of the uh, accommodation of liturgical practices to the mentality of modern man and it is this this um that is just beneath uh the surface Along with ecumenism and the creation of the new mass, and so that is that's something extremely poisonous. Joined to that is the uh, destruction, as it were, of the concept of liturgical law. That so, so, so much of the legislation, or uh, uh, so many of the directions uh, about the celebration of the new mass, leave open this wide array of. Arch- options for actions you could perform, or texts you could use, or what you could say, texts you could formulate on your own. And what's going to happen there, of course, is inevitably error creeps in. So this this idea of a uh, a uh, uh, type of, of mass right that you can uh, adopt, or adapt rather, in any way you see fit, is something that's really pernicious to Catholic doctrine. So, so all of these uh, things coalesce: the uh, ecumenism in the right, the uh, false uh, general theology underlying it, the uh, modernism in uh, with regard to the theology of the right in general and to the different changes in particular, and then this this uh, uh, lawlessness. That is, uh, in effect, e- encouraged by the new legislation or non-legislation. All of this is is a um, an engine, as it were, to destroy Catholic doctrine, and it has worked. You know, it's it's. Uh, 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 Since uh, uh, the beginning of the liturgical reform, Catholic doctrine, the notion of Catholic doctrine, has in effect been destroyed in the hearts of millions and millions and millions of people throughout the world.
1: Well, and the image that that you give, Father, um, I think is helpful. The integrity of the Catholic faith will die the death of a thousand cuts. And I think of all these these Novus Ordo's bleeding out, and they don't even know that they are, Those that know that they are bleeding out really have, as you point out, three solutions within that context of accepting the Novus Ordo and and, uh, as a legitimate part of the Catholic Church. The first you say, and I I would say, I think everyone has passed in and among these schools many times. Uh, I certainly can Mm -hmm. speak for myself, which is the first one, condemnation and avoidance of the new mass. I don't like that. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go over here.
0: Sure, and that is um, still a very, very prevalent uh, mentality that people who are, uh, that what people see, of course, is the new mass, which they condemn, they do not like, and decide to go off uh, into their own corner, where they can get something other than the um, uh change form of the mass where they can get the traditional rites. and this is is the um would be the mentality for instance of um those who would uh, go to masses of say the fraternity of saint Peter, or different moto proprio masses um or uh even sometimes people who end up at, at Society of Saint Pius the Tenth masses. The idea is that, well, uh, I don't like the new mass, so I'm going to avoid it and uh, um, retire to my own particular little corner. The problem with that is that the larger issues, really of of authority and ecclesiology, uh, they don't figure in the equation uh, at all. Uh, because uh, it is just uh, you know little old me. I want to find a Latin mass. It's, it's Latin massism, and that's all that counts.
1: I, I call this the green eggs and ham solution, Father. I, I will not go to the new mass. I will not. Will not. Will not. The second um, the second solution you have is the coexistence of, of both rights. This would have been the the phase in which uh, Archbishop Lefebvre was asking for the experiment of tradition to be given a chance. Um, and I was very much an advocate of this, probably my very, very early days in Dalt and early days at the SSPX and say, Hey, listen, uh, all we're saying is let the traditional mass be celebrated, which has come to fulfillment. I, I when I was advocating for that position was 97 98 and I would have not foreseen the, the modu proprio, which, uh, Allowed for, for such a quote unquote experiment, and I thought as soon as that happens, the new mass will be swept away because no one will go to it. Of course, that's the the naive twenty something talking father, uh, not realizing that people prefer to go to a thirty minute, um, you know, drive through mass than go to a traditional mass, and you got to deal with incense and and all of that other stuff. So this was a I consider a very naive uh, point of view, which which has been given proof as a, as a practice. In my time, it was just a theory. Well, you know, why mm-hmm. don't we let this happen? In the archbishop's time, it was just a theory. Well, we'd like the experiment of tradition to continue, dot, dot, dot. Well, the experiment of tradition has been given a chance to be experimented. And what it means is you've got Novus Ordo host being distributed at traditional Latin
0: masses. Mm-hmm. Or the... the It's not a a, coexistence has not been a rip roaring success uh, that 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 people perhaps like Archbishop Lefebvre thought it would be. Uh, As you correctly point out, people um, one of the attractive points of the new religion is that it's quick and easy; that uh, you don't have to make much of a commitment to it uh it's you're you're out in, in uh thirty or four, uh, thirty or forty minutes and uh you don't have to deal with um, uh complicated rules and regulations, etc. Now uh, you know, obviously there's is in fact more interest in the traditional right in, in our own time than um there was immediately after vatican II, or when i was a, a a young priest saying the traditional mass and that's that's a good sign but it hasn't been uh, people have not exactly flocked uh have not exactly flocked to it everywhere it's not an uh, overwhelming success it has a it uh, does draw people but um, it certainly does not defeat the uh, novus ordo on its own uh, on its own ground The problem is when this sort of thing, when when uh, when you uh, uh, take the traditional rite of the mass uh, on this level, uh, on an equal footing with the um, with the novus ordo and become part of the novus ordo institution, in effect, by doing that, in effect, your silence ends up being purchased, and you really can't. Condemn not only can't you condemn the uh, Novus Ordo, but I mean the the different aspects of the Novus Ordo institution because you're, you're you end up being a sold man. Your silence has been purchased by this uh, official approval from the modernists. So it's not a um, uh, it is not something that is a tolerable situation. Well, then you have the.
1: The reform of the reform again referencing my time, there was the Adoramus, Father Father Cardinal Ratzinger out When we were going to uh, bring back Latin in certain parts of the mass, and we were going to have Gregorian chant, and we'd we have Father Chicada playing the alt, uh, the organ, it was going to be the best little novus ordo it could be. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think that you proposed this as a possibility. Father, but I think this is, this school is probably dead, and it probably was killed off by the motu proprio. Actually, I think that prior to this time there was um, momentum for this, but the minute the motu proprio came into place, then no one wanted to argue for a reform of the reform anymore.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, and uh, it it collapsed as uh, as a movement. Uh, Pretty much. You never hear about it anymore. And no one's going to... uh, Bergoglio's not even interested. Uh, Francis is not uh, even remotely interested in liturgical issues. So uh, nothing is going to happen. He's certainly not going to impose anything. Uh, because he has, first of all, he's a Jesuit. He doesn't care about liturgy. Uh, secondly, you know, he is a, a, a modernist, and to the extent he likes anything about the uh, liturgical reform, um, uh, you know, it's 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 all fine with him because it does represent a change. So he's not going to impose anything, and uh, so the I, I, you're, he's not going to get any back. And uh, the reform of the reform is not going to get any backing. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, there are other uh, fish, uh, to fry now for people on the right, because he's in the process of, uh, destroying the sixth and ninth commandment. So uh, that is kind of getting everyone's attention these days.
1: Well, and so father looks at these three possibilities. You can either, uh, just avoid the the new mass i'm going to go to the trish mass i don't like the new mass i want both masses to exist or what is now a dead school the reform of the reform uh, father you you reject all of these approaches and i think i have to recenter our listeners that obviously we're used to father chicata as a as an apologist for the set of a contest perspective but this book was not written for set of a contest it wasn't even written for traditional Catholics. It was written to document the issues regarding the new mass. And that's of equal interest, both to traditional Catholics who are studying the liturgy and want to understand what's going on. And to Novus Ordo's who are, are searching for answers. And there isn't uh, another text that really surgically goes into uh, what the new mass was about. So father, you reject all these solutions or or you would say that to, to Novus Ordo's who are saying, Father, I want to do the green eggs and ham solution, or I'm for the kumbaya solution, let both rights exist. Uh, and you would say neither of those are available to them, which I support. I suppose leads us on to the conclusion of, of your chapter and of the book.
0: The thing is that the right is evil, and it destroys the Catholic faith, and it has destroyed the Catholic faith in the hearts of, of Catholics throughout the uh, world for um, you know going on 50 years, it is something that's uh, irreverent. You see all the awful effects of the liturgical reform. Uh, you see such a a uh, down um, downtrend in all of the specifics. Uh, of of the, the 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 signs of life as it were in the novus ordo institution, in terms of seminary enrollment or sisters, Catholic school enrollment, uh, etc., uh, everything is going down down down. It's the the death spiral, and the, the large part of the cause. Of the death spiral is in fact the new mass that it is that rather as we say in the theological journals that Catholics got their concept of the Catholic faith from, and it is it's something that has poisoned their minds uh, and poisoned their understanding of the Catholic faith. So the idea that uh, this uh, monstrosity should be allowed uh, to exist in any way, shape, or form is uh, absurd for anyone who wishes to uh, adhere to the faith of Jesus Christ and the faith of his Church as it is uh, traditionally understood. So the only uh, solution for the new Mass, as is the only solution for Vatican II, is to dump it. Uh, To dump it, to destroy it, Uh, to uh, bury it forever. And only at that point will Catholics have some sort of a a chance to restore the Catholic faith to its its glory throughout the world. Well, and
1: Father, I don't want to deprive our listeners of the last two sentences of your book because I think it's, it's a fitting conclusion both to the book and to the series. So, could you tell us <laughs> what those oh, last two yes, sentences are? Oh, yes,
0: indeed. So, the last two lines of the book it is time to put aside the evasions and the denials and to risk the world of the ecumenical and modernist monstrosity that is the Mass of Paul VI. This Mass is ended. It must go.
1: And, and I suppose that's it for us, two listeners. We have finished work of human hands, we've gone from the introduction through all 14 chapters, and we're here with Father at the end. Father, I think you've definitively made a case throughout this series in in the individual episodes, both for the problems internally within the Mass, uh, orations, prefaces, um, the people who are behind constructing the Mass, and the effects of what happens so it's all fine to talk about theories and academic ideas but we've had a chance to observe them you only started to observe them in your earliest days a minor seminary major seminary but i grew up when it was full-blown about uh, 20 years in and i can i think we're at different ends of the spectrum and i suppose someone who was born recently, let's say some of my, my students, the, the 14, 15, 16-year-olds, they're even further down the road than I am. I consider myself fairly outdated as far as intelligence regarding what's going on in Nova Scotia parishes these days. But uh, I, think that, I think that people have had a chance to read your work. Uh, people have, uh, both, from both sides. And I think there's been a lot of good feedback and I hope uh, to see more projects regarding this in the future. And as you say, perhaps in other languages, we can continue on the, the work of human hands path. But, but, uh, but I think more and more people are being aware, are becoming aware of these issues, more so than when you first started looking at this in the 80s
0: uh yes that in fact is the case and it's it's a, a source of encouragement and uh of amazement to me as well that uh the uh, that through the grace of god people uh, have been uh, brought to realize that there are real difficulties with the tur- liturgical reform, and, and many people have, um, uh, many many more people have started to to study it and and uh, uh, to understand the real problems with the uh, liturgical reform. It's also a uh, uh, source of encouragement and uh, amazement for me too that uh, what in um, we're uh, going on i suppose nearly six years since the first publication of uh, work of Human hands in two thousand and ten, uh, and we had to do one reprinting already and uh, we get a, a good at least two dozen uh, orders for the book per month uh, and we continue to get these orders from people from all over the world and these people i assume are are uh, ones who uh, have decided to investigate the uh, antecedents of the liturgical reform and have come across work of human hands. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very gratified uh, that uh, I've been able to uh, you know complete this project uh, finally after so many years and at least be, uh, you know, a, a part of the move to educate people in just what they have been deprived of.
1: Well, and in the uh, for further reading department, we can direct you to Father Chikata's YouTube channel, um, youtube.com forward slash work of human hands. There are 12 episodes in there. Uh, as you know, there are 14 chapters in the book, and I think Father may have been roughly following the chapters, although he, some, some of the videos are longer than others. So you can send a note of encouragement and maybe a contribution to encourage Father to finish the video series. Uh, We have, obviously, audio series, the episodes that we've done here now, completed. You have the book itself. Um, If you want further reading, there's FatherChicada.com, where Father deals with some liturgical questions. The appendix to the book deals with uh, 1955 versus 1962. We've dealt with that both on a Restoration Radio episode and on a True Restoration Media video. Additionally, there's a -a two-and-a-half-hour interview I did with Father uh, when work of human hands first came out, and that's also available on True Restoration Media. So there's lots of different ways. Don't be sad, listeners. If you if you want to hold on to work of human hands, you can just go back to the beginning, start at episode zero, and listen through it again. You can go to YouTube. Uh, you can you can go to True Restoration Media and uh, continue to inform yourself. Uh, this is stuff that Father had to study and put together for you, so it's at your fingertips to not just research, look up fact check him, make sure that uh, he's citing everything that he says he's citing, but also look it up for yourself so that you know. Uh, would you add anything to my catalog there, Father? I mean, Obviously, sggresources.org as well, where they can buy the book. Yes,
0: sggresources.org. And uh, if you wish to uh, assist at the um, traditional Latin Mass, but you don't have one in your area, we also recommend that you go to that site, because we have live webcasts um, of uh, all of our Sunday Masses, and uh, most of... Uh, our um, other weekend Masses, and we have a live Mass webcast of our school's daily High Mass during the school year. So you have an opportunity to, um, even if you don't have the traditional Mass in your area, to um, uh, participate at least a long at a distance in a traditional Mass and hear a good sermon. Of course, uh, not if it's me preaching, but if it's one of the other good good Fathers, you'll hear a very good sermon.
1: Well, the nice thing, at least, that uh, if you don't like Father Ciccata's preaching, you'll know that it'll always be a short sermon, so you won't have to be there too.
0: <laughs> That's right. Be well, bright, be brief, and be gone.
1: <laughs> and with that, Father must be gone from, from us. Father, thanks so much for your time. I know you've got other things to get to, including uh, we'll have to record Francis Watch here shortly. So thanks so much for your time, and uh, we look forward uh, to putting you on to something else. Uh, unfortunately, this is the end of the series A Work of Human Hands but if i can persuade father uh, or bully him into doing another show on the network uh, he will be back so worry not father still will continue on francis watch and on trad controversies and maybe dot 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 we'll see
0: god bless you all
1: thanks father we want to remind our listeners that if you have any questions for father obviously we won't be able to address them on a future episode but if you'd like father to answer them privately You can email us, humanhands at truerestoration.org. We'll get that email to Father, and Father can answer you directly. Also, remember that Work of Human Hands is a production of the Restoration Radio Network. All rights are reserved, and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. To obtain permission, please write to mail, mail at truerestoration.org. All of us here at the Restoration Radio Network would ask that if you found this show to be informative, helpful, or in any way beneficial to you and to your faith, that you please consider sending a note of thanks to the clergy who helped make our network worthwhile. Remember that above and beyond material contributions, the most important donation you can make to our work here is prayer. Please think of offering a Mass, a Rosary, or even a simple Ave for our work the next time that you pray. For the Restoration, I'm Stephen Heiner. May God bless you.